This Rhythm and News podcast is brought to you by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. There are many concerns about COVID right now. A few weeks ago, the numbers were trending in a good direction. People were getting vaccinated at uh, tremendous rates. A few new cases uh, were on the decline, and the governor opened up the state and health officials agreed to remove COVID restrictions that had been in place since last year. But now, four weeks later, we see new cases starting to increase. Schools are preparing to reopen with less than half of the grades being eligible to receive a vaccine and a new variant of the virus that is more contagious than previous variants is a cause for pause as health officials are trying to get as many people as possible either uh, vaccinated to wear masks or, and or adhere to the best practices to help stop the spread of the virus. With me to talk about this issue is Interim Director of Public Health of Seattle, King County, Dennis Worsham. Uh, good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Chris. All right. Uh, Dennis, uh, let's start off by talking about the Delta variant because everybody's talking about this right now. Um, what is it about this variant that is concerning to health officials like yourself? Yeah, great. It's a great question, and uh, the Delta variant has come in uh, come in rather strong uh, into our region. Um, the Delta variant is uh, one thing that's important to understand is in these coronaviruses, they want to survive, and these coronaviruses continue to evolve and change with time, as long as they have a host and uh, a mechanism to be able to to, to do that. Uh, the Delta variant uh, is one of our, what we call a variant of concern. It's highly, highly infectious. And uh, in fact, we, we are learning that it has about a thousand times more of a viral load in it than, than other uh, variants or uh, COVID viruses that we have seen. So much more infectious and the duration is even longer. So, so we know it's much more contagious to people uh, out and about, especially most vulnerable are people who are unvaccinated. Wow. And Dennis, um uh, typically, you know, there was a 14-day period for uh, co the COVID. So am I hearing you correctly where if somebody uh, contracts the, Del the Delta variant that they could be uh, having symptoms uh, for a much longer period of time? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question, Chris. The, um, what we're seeing is uh, we don't know what the, that duration period of time is. We're still really looking closely at this variant. Um, but yes, the, the, the infectious period and the symptomatic period where that viral load is high is for a longer period of time than we've seen with other coronaviruses uh, variants that have come through. Uh, Dennis, we keep hearing about breakthrough cases of COVID, which is concerning to members of the general public because when they hear about someone who has been vaccinated uh, now having COVID, uh, and I guess it would be good for us to get clarification of what exactly that means. You know, have people tested positive for COVID and are basically asymptomatic? Are they getting ill, uh, severely ill to the point of hospitaliz hospitalization? You know, what does that really mean in the overall scheme of things? 
Yeah, you know, just as a reminder, you know, in it, no vaccination is 100%. And uh, although we have seen uh, remarkable um, resilience uh, with this particular, um, both of our, of our our vaccines that are out there right now, we're seeing just remarkable responses to, to that vaccine. Uh, we're seeing, you know, somewhere in the high 80s, uh, you know, effectiveness. And we know that it's highly, highly effective uh, around causing severe illnesses or hospitalizations or deaths. Uh, we are going to see breakthrough cases. We are seeing breakthrough cases with the Delta variant. People are getting either, they're either asymptomatic, they get infected and don't have any symptoms at all, or they have very, very minor symptoms uh, or, or mild. And I don't want to downplay, you know, somebody's illness because, you know, to each individual that's not comfortable and not good. But, uh, but we're not seeing as much severe illness and death in that. There, there are exceptions to that on, on rare occasion, but as a whole, uh, we're not seeing severe illnesses or hospitalizations, which is a good thing. Uh, and an important message why, in particular now, this, this um, vaccine is really, really important to get. Right. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the increases that you guys are seeing with new COVID cases. You know, how much of an increase are you all seeing? Uh, and can you talk specifically about the number of new cases as it relates to African Americans and other minority communities in the area? Yeah, we um, what we're seeing it really just a kind of a context, you know, um, that I think is important as a whole here in King County, uh, here in Seattle area. We, um, you know, just the end of June, we were having about 55 new cases a day, and in the report that we got yesterday, we're up to 200. We're averaging about 233 cases a day, so it's a huge jump from 55 to 233 every day. They're getting infected. We're seeing that um, that really spread out across all race and ethnicity groups. Uh, in particular, it's, uh, it's affecting everybody. Um, it's in, in particular, you know, it's important to look at, um, if we divide it by race and ethnicity groups as a whole, uh, the, there has not been as a steep uh, increase among black and Native Americans uh, and Native Hawaiians uh, in particular, but, but across all groups, there has been an increase in number. Around July 18th, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, we had about 146 cases among our uh, black community here in the Northwest in, in Seattle area. And that's really compared to what we were at at 76 cases by the end of June. So we're seeing, you know, a, a twofold increase uh, in numbers of cases on a daily average uh, in our black community here, here in the Seattle area. Mm. And Dennis, I know they've, uh, I've seen some of the numbers where they talk about uh, most people who are getting infected now are people who are unvaccinated. Um, are you seeing any other um, trends that are associated with the people who are unvaccinated and getting uh, infected? Are they, uh, you know, are they not, um, so, you know, social distancing? They're going, are they going to, to large events, not wearing masks? Do you have any um, insight into that at all? Or does that make sense what I'm asking you? Yeah, yeah, it makes, it makes total sense. So, you know, we have uh, in public health, we do what we call epidemiology. We look at, you know, we interview folks. We try to figure out where it's going because that helps us really zero in about what we need to do in order to interrupt it. So uh, the, you stated it just right on, Chris. The, um, we're seeing the majority of people, uh, uh, you know, most all people who are, uh, who are getting, you know, hospitalized or serious, you know, illnesses or infected, almost all of them are people who are uh, unvaccinated. When we look at that population and we have conversations with them, uh, I would say, you know, of the highest percentage, these people, uh, we're seeing that they've been to restaurants and bars and social gatherings, you know, and just in remembrance of context, and you started this, the, the, the segment with this, is the end of June in the state of Washington, the governor lifted 
the uh, the restrictions, many of the restrictions around COVID, uh, including mask wearing uh, for those who are vaccinated. You know, it's just so hard to know. I don't know in your community where you're at and where you go to the grocery store, um, but in my neighborhood here in Seattle is I go into the grocery store and I've seen the masks come off. And whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, uh, those masks are coming off. And we've seen a lot of concern around around that mask wearing and, and people are starting to socialize more. They're starting to go back out, trying to resume normal life. I think there's a huge fatigue around uh, COVID that we've been in for now a year and a half. Uh, but we're paying a cost for it now. This Delta variant is, is, as I mentioned, so contagious and so rampant that it's just easily transmitted. So as those protections and social, social distancing get uh, less and less, uh, we're seeing that virus go up. Uh, and uh, Dennis, uh, a follow-up to the last question. Are, are there specific areas where you're seeing significant uh, increases or spikes, like certain cities in the county, certain neighborhoods, uh, or areas in Seattle at all that are – um, concerning to you, to you all of public health? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to just emphasize on that before I answer that question, uh, to, to, to the direct answer to that question, what we're seeing is our vac- our, where, where our areas are vaccinated is, um, that we we have low cases, lower cases of, of, um, of this transmission that's, that's taking place. Where we're seeing, uh, in particular, an increase uh, is down in South County and Southeast County, in particular, the south parts of the area. Those also are our lowest vaccinated areas. We're seeing that trend also in South Seattle um, uh, as well. So where we're seeing low vaccination rates are not as strong, uh, we're also seeing that transmission take place. Okay. And then um, talking about vaccination rates, um, because... I know the county and the city both had over us uh, 70% of eligible residents who initiated being vaccinated, uh, which enabled us to open up the area and open the states. It means that they had at least one dose at a time. Um, but speaking specifically of towards demographic groups, um, what are you guys seeing uh, as far as vaccination rates that are uh, much lower than what you would consider to be adequate levels? And by that I say, are, are you seeing um, lower levels of uh, people between the ages of 12 and 18, 18 to 28. You know, what are the, the, the type of demographics you guys are hoping to target right now and to reach? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, you're, you're doing, you're getting all my good public health messages out there. So thanks for helping me, Chris. We're, uh, we're seeing our, our population, you know, our older population who have been most affected in the early parts of this pandemic uh, really, you know, uh, see where we've seen the most deaths and hospitalizations have done a really good job getting out and getting vaccinated. Uh, in our African-American and black community, for example, 65 and older, uh, 87% have completed their vaccines, which is just a huge, you know, call out of success uh, to that most vulnerable group. Uh, on the other end of that, uh, you know, the eligibility right now for people to get vaccinated is 12 and older, and our biggest gap is under 29. Uh, if we, um, if our goal was when we set out uh, before the Delta variant was in place is to get across every region, every race and ethnicity group uh, uh, for the county is to get to, you know, 70%. We thought that would really help us as a community. You know, with this Delta variant, it's probably closer to 90 that we need to get to, but we're still pushing that 70% goal completed all the way through. And where we have a, a couple gaps is really in our younger population you know, we're targeting, you know, 40 and younger, but in particular, our 29, uh, 12 to 29 is, is, is where we're at. Just one, like, you know, kind of thing to think about is 
you know, we tout our success of, you know, almost getting to 80% as a county uh, in getting to our completed vaccines. But, you know, that still means that we have 700,000 people in our county who are not who are not vaccinated. And of that 700,000, 400,000 of them are still eligible for a vaccine that have not been vaccinated. So it's a big number. Mm. And, and Dennis, with that number, you know, how concerned should we as individuals um, who have been vaccinated but also might have some some gaps for various re- various and obvious reasons. For instance, you know, people who have children under the age of uh, of 12 who aren't eligible to be vaccinated. Some people who have underlying health issues that might uh, have caused them to not be able to get vaccinated for whatever reason at the advice of their doctors. You know, with when you talk about 700,000 people, that, you know, that is a lot of a lot of people in our area who have not been vaccinated, um, regardless of how you want to chop it up. You know, how concerned should we as, as a community be and how proactive as should we be collectively to help push the proper messaging, encourage people to uh, get vaccinated, wear a mask, do the things you guys have been advising people to do for over a year mm-hmm. now? Yeah, what I, would, what I would say, and this is around my own practice as well, uh, is that, you know, if, if you got to be smart about it and knowing that we've got something out here that's, you know, much more contagious is you got to protect those who are vulnerable, right? And, and right, as you mentioned, you know, people under 12 years of age are not eligible uh, to be vaccinated yet. And uh, so we, we, need to, we need to have a social responsibility, you know, both as family members, as friends, and as community members, good citizens, is protecting those folks. So, so to mask up, uh, to, you know, keep some social distance, you know, to be, ventilation is really an important thing. We're having a beautiful summer. Get your windows open, gather outside. Uh, all those things are really important uh, in those areas. You know, people who have underlying health conditions as well, uh, I, would, I would also say we got to take care of them, even if they've been vaccinated. Uh, you know, they've got compromised immune systems. Some of them have not had as strong of an uptake in, in, the, in the viral protection uh, as they have been vaccinated. And um, so we do have a responsibility to protect those. So I, I would be cautious. I'm, I'm masking up when I go to a grocery store now. If I'm in a public space in an indoor place, knowing that I've got, you know, nieces, nephews uh, that are under 12 in my life, uh, so when I'm home, uh, that I can be, you know, in, in the space with them and not worry about bringing anything home to them who are unvaccinated. And, and Dennis, let's talk specifically about the vaccines uh, that are available, because I know um, there are some people uh, in our community who have theories or reasons why they won't uh, take the vaccine. Um, the, the most common reason that I hear is that people don't trust the overall safety of the vaccines because it was developed so fast. Some people want to make reference to the Tuskegee exper- experiment, but which which is interesting when you talk about the number of uh, older African-Americans who've been vaccinated, the 87 percent rate who were uh, alive during that period of time and have a direct point of reference to it, they're getting vaccinated, but you got younger people who are not. Uh, can you talk about the safety of the vaccines and address any other reasons that you commonly hear about people for reasons why um, they are not willing to take the vaccine right now? Yeah, you know, just that's it's a, it's another good question, Chris. You know, we're trying to, to figure out, you know, why, what, what the hesitancy is. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there and trying to really have these uh, people deliver messages who are trusted within their communities to deliver those messages about the safety of the vaccine. You know, with this, this, this vaccine did come quickly, but it was, you know, well-researched. The, the RNA practice was in place way before 
uh, COVID came around. And as we've looked at, you know, across the globe, the millions of people who have been vaccinated, you know, the data is showing that it's a very safe vaccine uh, as, as we look at it. You know, I, I understand, uh, and from the conversations we've been having in our community uh, with our Black and African American uh, uh, constituents, is, you know, racism exists, right? And it is well and alive within our healthcare systems, and we have done some, some major damage and harm uh, historically. Uh, as a country uh, when it comes to the medical provision uh, around uh, delivery of services, especially to people with black and brown bodies. So I understand uh, and, uh, and hear uh, loudly the concern of that we have uh, within the medical system and, and regaining that trust in a particular time of a pandemic. But, you know, I will say to those barriers for folks, as you quickly pointed out, is, you know, when you look at, when you look at 50 and older, uh, who are black and African-American in our county, uh, they're, they're all at 80% or higher uh, in their vaccination, vaccination rates. And, and uh, it's just the, the, the under 50 that we're, uh, we're, we're still doing a big push. But even them, uh, you know, we're over 60% uh, in that population, which is, you know, is the majority. The majority of people have moved into that place. And so I would say, talk with your friends, talk with your people who you know uh, you can trust that has accurate information, uh, do some research uh, on it yourself. There's a lot of information from good uh, folks like yourself that are on their websites uh, is to get educated and ask questions. And, uh, and I think we have to have that, you know, with our family members ourselves uh, to bring them along. Right. And Dennis, I'd be remiss if I didn't fold this into the conversation right now, just to make sure that we kind of get this information out to our community. You know, uh, can you talk a little bit about the current uh, COVID guidance that is encouraged by the CDC and here locally by health officials? Yeah, thank you for asking the question. The, uh, there's been a lot of, this is the local guidance that has come out in the last you know, week or two uh, has really been about masking back up again. And I know, I know that is not what people wanted to hear. I, I felt mentally, I, myself, feeling like you know, we were getting past the high point of this as our numbers were dropping. Um, but as, as I said, this, this Delta variant uh, has changed the game for us a bit in the country and in the region. And so looking at uh, the CDC recommendations that came out, it said that if you, um, if you live within a region uh, or a state or a county, however you want to slice that, uh, that is experiencing high or substantial transmission rates, then you need to, you need to, to adhere to, to masking back up again, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Uh, in, in the Seattle area, in our region, uh, we have hit that substantial transmission uh, rate again. That, that's about 57 per 100,000 people uh, um, for us here in King County, and that substantial is you know, anywhere from 50 and higher uh, per 100,000 per residents in the last seven days. So we have crossed that threshold as, as an area of substantial transmission. And so now uh, through the CDC's uh, guidance on that and a local health directive, that we've put out as a public health agency under our health officer is that if you're in a public place indoors, you, you do need to mask up. And I, and I think for our own protection, it's good advice and, and people should follow it. Right. And Dennis, I know we're pushing up on, uh, towards the end of the time we have with you. Uh, I have uh, two questions I'm going to kind of get ask into one um, just in yeah. lieu of time uh, to be respective of your time. You know, we're approaching the school year and schools across the state are getting returned to in-person learning. I'm sure that there are some people who feel much different about this notion than they did, you know, five weeks ago, especially for parents who have students under the age of 12. Um, what would you say to parents about the return to in-person learning? Um, what should a parent be aware of or pay attention to as it relates to a student when they return to the classroom? 
Also, a caveat with that is, um, you know, guidance or clarification about wearing masks, um, especially for students. You know, how many times should a mask be worn in general before discontinuing use? Um, how often it should be washed or cleaned? And then my also my final question. I know I'm throwing a lot in there at one point in time, but my final question is, um, you know, how in, uh, important uh, is it for people to get tested if they choose not to get vaccinated? And how often should that take place? Yeah. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Question. I apologize. I threw a lot of you one. No, you're good. You're good. Let me. I, I want to make sure I get them because every one of those are important. For, first of all, we're, do, we're trying to really maximize getting everybody back into school. We know it's important for the mental uh, and physical and emotional well-being of our young people is to get them back into school as best we can. We've got to do a couple things on that. We've got to get our... It, our people, our adults who are eligible uh, to get vaccinated, going back into those environment, environments is to make sure they're vaccinated and not, not being a transmitter of the virus. So everybody, every adult, everybody who is 12 and older in those environments, we've, got, we've just got to get them vaccinated. That's really, really critical. It's important. We're looking at the guidelines right now uh, and uh, that are being recommended around the school pieces. But we're, you know, one of the things around the masks that you asked is what types of masks. We want to make sure they're good quality masks, make sure they're multi-layered masks, to make sure that uh, nothing is getting through those masks of, 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 of protection for them and wearing masks. I always say a, kind of a good thing to do is if you can hold up your mask and take a squirt bottle and if, if mist is getting through, it's probably not a good enough mask. And so if you can think about a multi-layered mask or something that's got a protection that's built into it, uh, I think is really, really good. Schools are going to be requiring some masking and social distancing as part of that work. The other thing we're trying to do with schools right now is uh, it's really critical uh, is about ventilation uh, and getting circulation of good air within an environment and that there are HEPA filters and really, you know, hoping to keep that air in that clean environment as best we can. Uh, we're continuing with proper etiquette of hand washing, cleaning, disinfecting, uh, and making sure people have access to testing. We're doing all those things that we've been doing all along, but, but ramping those up in those school environments in particular. If kids are wearing masks, to your question about how often uh, should they, you know, tend to those masks, we're recommending right now that if masks, uh, if you're wearing cloth masks, is just to wash them after every day of, of wear. So have a couple masks, throw them in the washer, get them cleaned up, and uh, and just to really make sure that they're working at their full optimal piece uh, for them as well. There's going to be testing. There's going to be regular testing that's going to be available, and uh, we're going to be looking at this Delta variant and what, what's happening with it. You're starting to see a lot of businesses and governments starting to step in and say either if you're not vaccinated, you know, regular uh, cadence of testing is going to be required. There may be something along those lines that we will be exploring and what we need to be doing. But trying to create the safest environment uh, and getting people masks, so this is some of those mitigation things that we can do, do that are non-pharmaceutical until uh, a vaccine is available for that population. All right. Well, Dennis, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. I want to give you an opportunity to speak um, directly to our com community before you um, get off the air with any uh, final words of advice, encouragement, instructions that um, you feel is uh, important for them to take away from this conversation this morning. Yeah, I thank you, Christopher, for the invite. You just from our communications team, uh, I've just been told what an amazing job you have done. Uh, with your voice and elevating the importance uh, and protecting people in the community and, and your commitment to that. So thank you, thank you. personally to you first. Uh, to, your, to your community and listeners who are saying it, I would, I would say uh, if, if you're eligible to be vaccinated, get vaccinated. If, if you are unvaccinated, this Delta variant will find you. 
it is it is efficient it, it is transmitting easily and it is it is out there and so get vaccinated if you are unable to be vaccinated um, for any reason uh, is then really what we call non pharmaceutical what can you do is get masked up social distance uh, and you know and look about your air quality you know open your windows if you're at home if you're in a public place be in a place where you can be, have good ventilation in those areas but get vaccinated it's uh, it's, it's an effective vaccine it's clear the data is so clear the people are hospitalized and dying right now of of this virus are people who are unvaccinated the people who are who are vaccinated are uh are are are, are avoiding that severe severe illness and hospitalization so get vaccinated it's, it's good for you it's good for the community for our children who can't be vaccinated we need to protect them as well uh so we're doing a good thing uh by also protecting them by being vaccinated ourselves all right. Well, Dennis, thank you for joining us on today's show. I know it took you over time a little bit, but I appreciate your time. No speaking problem, Speaking directly Chris. to our community this morning.